Greetings, I'm Dave Gilmore, and this is Design Intelligence. In the studios today is Steve Morris, the president of SNC Lavalin. Steve sits over the engineering services for the corporation, a large and amorphous organization spanning the globe. Our conversation will center around his journey through his career, the engineering world, and the greater world of the built environment. Welcome to this edition of This is Design Intelligence, conversations with leadership voices in the built environment. Well, thank you for joining us on This is Design Intelligence. It's a a nice time to be together. It's been an extraordinary journey these last few years, and you have gone through a change in your life and your career. You've just had it. You were with one of the large global firms, and you moved over to another large global firm. You've had an extraordinary journey. I'd like to hear more, and I know our audience would like to hear more about your journey through global engineering and the different, I'll call it flavors of engineering that you've participated in and up until this point and where you are today. I mean, it's been a huge privilege to to be on the journey I've, I've been on. I, I guess when I first walked into uh, a small Atkins office in the West of England in what was the ancient history of 1988 to start drawing an ink pen on tracing paper you know, I could never have imagined that I would have had the sort of incredible range of experiences and met all the great people I, I have done. So I'm hugely grateful to have been in the industry. The the journey took for me from a, a small farm in Wales. And I, I was re- reading one of the, the great articles on on your website, actually, Dave. And um, there was an article by Professor Mar- Margarita Jova that, that had Stefan's sort of curves of acceleration for, for earth systems and socioeconomics. And I feel like in terms of my experiences, I'm on that similar sort of acceleration Curve. So I started off doing civil engineering, you know, designing buildings, swimming pools, office blocks, sports stadia. And then I, um, through a freak of circumstance, ended up doing structural dynamics, a more mathematical, what happens if this explodes or that shakes around about a bit or there's an earthquake. And, um, and that was mathematically challenging and really interesting. And then that led me into, you know, the delivery of, of projects and, and there somewhat reluctantly into leading businesses. I, I was manipulated by a caring boss into from from project delivery to uh, to leading businesses but i but he did me a service and i've really enjoyed the incredible complexity of of trying to balance all all the um competing demands that that we have in our industry and and that's taken me on a journey where i've i've led businesses in every continent over 80 countries i've um, i've worked in most of the industries in the built environment and i've i've taken a project role and a leadership role from everything from grand strategy for the development of a city for the next 50 years through to you know the the hands-on construction of, of power stations and and it's been an incredible incredible journey but there's no time better in my view to be in our industry than than today and uh, apart from i think tomorrow will be better so it's been a great journey i, I love that, that that move from practicing to leading practices that you've made. And boy, are there a lot of lessons about leadership that no one taught us in school, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, it's called on-the-job training, a trial by error. But you've you've ascended and you've gotten to this wonderful place. I look at SNC Lavalin uh, uh, Atkins envisioning its future to challenge the status quo of traditional engineering and accelerate this idea of environmental responsibility while also meeting and exceeding your shareholder expectations, which sometimes it seems like it's almost in conflict. But it's not. It's not in conflict. And here you are in this unique opportunity to move beyond 
traditional da-doop, 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 as all of your competitors move along one particular path, you are really considering how do we pivot upwards into a new reality that and takes these things in. How is the firm looking to the future of itself on a global basis? Well, with, with great excitement would be one way of, of, of answering that question. And, and yeah, we had some challenges in our business five or six years ago. We'd undertaken a, a series of projects that uh, in a big sort of fixed price construction mode that, that really you know, overstretched us. And, and we were forced to, to really re-examine what we wanted to be in, in, in the future. And, and we did some really good hard thinking about that. And, and I think as the world is becoming, you know, I said there was no better time to be in our industry today uh, than today. And, and the reason for that, I, I think, is this rapid acceleration of, the, of the, the tools that we have at our fingertips, of the, of the alignment around the desire to, to save our planet and our, uh, and our species, um, of the uh, enormous infrastructure gap and the increasing complexity of of the way the world is and, and how it works. So, so I think the whole complex situation just got a whole load more complex, but, but I think we embraced that. And, and many of the companies I think in our industry would have good intent around environment, good intent around diversity, you know, good intent to use the digital tools. But, but I think we feel that um, it can't stop there, you know, cause then nothing happens. And, and so from intent to outcome, I think, is, is a combination of um, not only you know, putting the resources and the passion and the focus uh, and the planning around things, but really embracing and respecting the challenge and, and, under, and deeply understanding the complexities of it. Because you can make these promises, we're going to be net zero by 2030. But do we really understand what that takes? And, and what gives us confidence to make such a significant commitment as that publicly? And what I loved about the way that SNC-Lavalin thinks about this, we just didn't come out with that clip statement. But from our chief executive through the rest of the business, we studied the problem and, and, and said, well, what would it take? And, and what are the complexities? And I think we were quite humble about it. We've got great capability in the business we recognize the need for partners and to take a holistic look at it. And only after we'd done that work did we make the commitments that, that we've made. So, so one example of the journey we're on, I think, from intent to outcome is the determination to be a real leading player in, in the decarbonization of, of the planet. And, and what that means for us in reality is that every time we engage with a customer, you know, we are working with them not only to give them what they asked for, but to say to them, do you know, if, if, if you'd have asked us for something different, which is exactly this, then we could have come up with a solution which was not only 15% less carbon, but also had a different set of outcomes. So I think there's a great journey in the industry from, from looking at things as technocrats to, to, to looking at them as, as human beings as part of the, of the planet and, and seeing what we can do to, to make a difference holistically. Yep. And so that's interesting you, you put it that way, because to be able to say, hey, had you asked us this, we would have been able to do X, that presumes a relationship dynamic is happening between you and the client where you feel the freedom to have that kind of conversation. And I find that far too many in the industry are operating out of a transactional base. They asked us to do this. 
This is what the contract says. That's what we'll do. And if we if we push back, then we risk potentially losing favor, as opposed to seeing this whole thing as a relationship that's going to go on for years, not only around this particular engagement, but potentially comma, 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 more and more and more engagements. And in that, life is better operated as a relationship, isn't it? Where you can have honest dialogue with one another around these things. Better in a whole bunch of ways, including a lot more fun. But um, <laughs> but 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 I, but I think this is a you know, one of the formative experiences in my career has been the number of times when customers have 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 said to us after we've overcome challenges, "I wish you'd been harder on us at the start. I wish you'd have given us tougher love." And and tough love is it needs toughness and it needs love, you know. And and so and so. I think that is the relationship that we have with many of our customers and we aspire to with all of them. And it, and it takes courage, I think, both from our side to challenge and from their side to, to receive that challenge and, and look at how things may change. So, so I think those relationships are absolutely crucial. Um, and, and it is a complex, it's a complex world and no one has the answers that, that are all encompassing. So as well as the, the the intent and the the focus on outcomes there's also a sense of together we may not have all the answers but we know what we want we know that we'll see some of it as we go and we're just going to launch we're going to go for this and we trust each other um to 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 work together to best intent and there is no literally this morning i was talking to a great team of ours that's looking at developing the most sophisticated digital twin solutions and and all of the talk was about how we see this from the customer's perspective and i think if with these complex problems if we try and squeeze the customer's issue into the the constraints of the way that we can currently solve that we do them a disservice we're much better to be truthful about about the great things we've got and the things we don't know and the desire to partner together to to make the most of, of our joint learning. Yeah. Early in my career, when I was in management consulting, we were taught, do you know the problem you're trying to solve? Of course, when you're young, you're pretty sure you've got the problem nailed right out of the gate, right? <laughs> it's, it's what's in front of your face. Right? And it, 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 I love how you described how the firm as a whole sat back to explore the problem of decarbonization. And it's easy to make an intentional statement, as they say, the way to hell is paved with good intentions. The question is, is can you make good on those intentions? And so in, instead of just leaping into making marketing-based promises, you had in your integrity to ask the questions, can we do this? And what is this that we are hoping to do? I find this is true, certainly with clients. And the more that we spend time co-defining the problems we then co-create the solutions. And I don't know that there's a client in the world that wants it done to them. I think they want to do stuff with us at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And and the the phrase that we, we use a lot is engineering net zero, you know, and, and, you know, with the emphasis really on, on the engineering of it and, um, and and getting into those complex problems and, and, you know, the, the selfish point of view from a supplier side is to say, oh, you know, I can grab the customer's data and I've got it hostage and then I can exploit that data. And, and, and what, you know, the more that we examine exactly what it takes to go on the journey, I use the example of digital twins because it's front of mind at the moment. 
But, you know, there's a journey from effectively a geophysical modeling of an asset, a BIM model, an electronic model that just looks the same. And then maybe you can add a bit of data and and you've got a, a, a BIM model or something. But towards a, a, a truly two-way intelligent optimizing mechanism that's real-time helping and as it's a really rich environment for our customers and their operators to to move in we know that we are an important part of the solution to 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 integrate to engineer to support uh, and to manage but there are some great tech companies there's the incredible knowledge in the minds of the the customers operators um, there's the needs of the end customers all of those so so you know we recognize our position of one of seven or eight key players in that solution and part of our culture one of the things i like about the culture of snc labelin is it's a natural partnering kind of company it mm-hmm. is it, the intent is immediately to partner and and in in that in that realm of of both of we've talked about decarbonizing with and i'm talking about digital tools you know, we are one of a group of seven or eight, sometimes more, um, that are operating an ecosystem where where partnering is is really important. And and to be good partners, as as we talked about, you know, that means being honest with each other and honest about our own opportunities as well as our limitations. Yeah, but I think the key role that you can play if you're not already playing is in those multi-party, multi-stakeholder dynamics is playing that role of orchestrator. Yeah. Because that's what's hard. And as engineers, you're geared to orchestrate multiple components coming into unified alignment. And I think when you exercise that leadership management talent into those contexts, then outcomes are not only more holistic, they're accelerated. And um, so what a powerful role for you to play. Actually, and it, it ends up transforming our business because, yeah, at the core, you know, we have a, a great team of, of architects and engineers and project managers and environmentalists and builders and, and planners and all of that good stuff. But to that, we're adding a whole bunch of, of digital capabilities that are, are absolutely necessary to that. And actually also adding, because... It's easy to, particularly as engineers, it's easy to focus in on on the technology and the the concrete and the steel, but it's people, right? I mean, it's people who operate the systems. It's people who are the beneficiaries of the investments that we're making in infrastructure. And if we've got socioeconomic goals that are intended as a result of the investments we're making in these assets, then, then getting really engaged with our customers about how we're developing this for for their benefit is is really important. So one of our you know, primary pieces of training for our young technical professionals, which which frankly, as you said, I learned by trial and error on the job, but we're hoping to accelerate that process for our, our new starters. Is is um, who are who are a great crowd, you know. But but this is not just about five miles of additional transit from A to B. It is about transforming the future of this deprived community and uh, and the kids and the uh, and the and the people using it and the uh, and to do that with the minimum environmental impact. You better understand that when you're looking at the forces and stresses and strains on 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 the steel and concrete you're designing. Because if you're not, you will not help to optimize the system because you're not thinking sufficiently mm-hmm. of the whole. 
SNC-Lavalin, 30,000 people, something like that? Yeah, 30,000. This is like a giant aircraft carrier, right? And it, and there's a lot to move this carrier. And the world and the need for solutions is accelerating. How do you make decisions? How do you move in a timely manner to make decisions that are not fragmented, not only for your internally, for your own organization, but for your on your client's perspective, how do you, Steve? How do you navigate something like this when it's this large and complex and amorphous? So it's a great it's a great question, and I think everybody talks about you know turning the aircraft carrier or turning the the, the super tanker. Hopefully, not too many super tankers in in twenty years time, but um, that presupposes you know it's going in entirely the wrong direction and, uh, <laughs> and it's a big turn. So so. I think I think for some years, you know, we've been going in the right direction broadly, and I think it all starts with a foundation of, of values of, of things that we as an organisation have at our our heart, and and that that is our north star. You know, we want to create a better planet for and a better future for the planet and and, and its people. That's what we want to do. We're we're passionate about that. We've got a, a series of values that we stick to. So, so that keeps us cohesive and um, leading businesses as we do. We, we've got the privilege of, of being able to see the whole and, and being able to ha- have the relative luxury of some time to think about, about the future. But I think as, as you look at the quality, as I look at the quality of the hundreds and hundreds of entry-level people who are coming in, many of them hugely more switched on and smart than I think I can ever remember being at that age you know you realize you're foolish to 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 do any of this in isolation so so I think we've got a very clear strategy we know exactly where we want to go as an organization Um, that's our north star and then and then we we listen and learn we listen to our our people and we socialize a lot and then we develop we recently laid down a a new strategy as we we pivoted uh, pivoted to a, a stronger growth phase there was a whole bunch of people involved in that in that strategy. So, so I think as a leader, you're looking for the big themes, you're looking to prioritize, but also it's more about the principles of what we're trying to achieve rather than to give detailed instructions, you know, that to people who are frankly a lot more smarter and more able to do those sort of things. And I and and those people can see their circumstances much more than, than I can. So it's very much more about creating an environment in which our great people can can make their own decisions. Yeah. And I, I, I think you nailed it on the front end. If we're values aligned, half of the argument goes away, right? Yeah. It's an acceleration to authentic dialogue as opposed to argumentation and posturing. And so yeah. I, that, that certainly accelerates things. You know, I, I, speak- I, I, I couldn't agree more, David. I think the more, uh, the more gray hairs that are on my head, the more I firmly believe in the importance of culture. And, and for us as leaders, setting the tone in the reason I joined SNC Lavalin was for two primary reasons: the culture and the potential. Mm. And uh, and I think culture is enormously, enormously important. We speak often at the Design Intelligence Leadership Institute about the criticality of culture, but that culture is primarily set by leadership. It it emanates from the way leaders lead and communicate and uh, and promulgate the 
the values of the firm. And you folks, SNC Lavalin went through its own revolution, evolution of leadership that has founded into a new value set, which is very attractive. And you're attracting global talent to it as a result of, I mean, you're one of them. You got attracted to come here because of that. And how critical this idea is about leadership and its inextricable tie to being a, a cultural ambassador at all times, uh, certainly within. But we were talking about leadership and about growth, and you certainly are on a growth initiative. We witnessed in the United States the passage of the largest physical infrastructure bill ever in our history, $1.2 trillion. We used to talk in billions. Now we're talking trillions. It's it's almost crazy. And all that money has to be distributed or put out within a five-year period. It's on an accelerated track across a wide range of initiatives. The reality is, is so much of that is in the sweet spot of your organization. And, you know, we look at infrastructure as not a, a toss word, but as the foundations of our society. And we look at this as when a dollar is dropped in the proverbial pond of infrastructure, traditionally it generates another two to four dollars of above ground new construction. You do the numbers, it gets overwhelming uh, in a positive way. But what do you see as the positive economic as well as social outcomes of this across the next five to 10 years, particularly here in the United States? I live in Atlanta. You live in the Los Angeles area. So we're, we're both watching it East Coast, West Coast side. What say you about this future with this, this big boulder that's been dropped in our pond? I mean, there is, there is an enormous infrastructure gap. So it is great to see the scale of of the investment, but we have to match that against the scale of the need. You know, there's been a huge underinvestment, uh, not only in the US but a number of other countries over a, a number of years, and and it's great that we're starting to, to to begin to address that. And when you look at some of the projects that we're involved with, as we help our customers to get ready for this investment. You know, you just imagine the benefit that each one of those single projects will have in the local community. And, and you just know, as you said, you know, you invest this stuff. And, it, and the benefit is not just in those two to four construction jobs. It's in the, the next hundred years worth of, you know, that journey being easier, these people being better housed, you know, this community starting to thrive in a way that it, that it didn't. Realistically, the, the funding will take time to come through the system. And that's fine because you know, we as an industry need to gear up to be ready to deal with it. The immediate benefit I think it's had, particularly post-COVID when there was, or during COVID, when there was just such a concern about the, the, the future and, and, and pressures on all sorts of funding mechanisms, um, is to give the, the industry from top to bottom, and particularly our state and local agencies and so on, the confidence to press on. So many things get put on hold. And, and the moment you stop a project, value starts vanishing from it. People who know what's going on, it's, you can't just pick up a complex job and uh, having put it down a year ago. So the confidence can, to carry on and move things forward, even though the dollar by dollar funding hasn't hit, hit through. But the other thing I'd, I'd say to this, Dave, is if there's a, it, it's easy for us to sit here and say it's great. The duty we have as an industry, I think, is now to make these dollars have a different impact on society and the planet than than maybe happened in a huge spend in the early 50s or something. Mm-hmm. Let, let us spend every dollar optimizing the socioeconomic outcomes, the, 
the, the best use of digital tools, getting those productivity gains the industry has really not delivered on um, until until very recently, supporting diversity in our industry and 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 so on, and decarbonizing to the maximum effect. So we can't just spend it in the old traditional way. We can't so much of one of the things that we're really focused on as an organization, it's not only the technology and and the environment, it's the means of delivery. You know, our industry is still one which is characterized by conflict and by waste and by argument and and by mistaken allocation of risk and and rewards. And so we're we've actually moved away as a very uh, conscious decision from for example, fixed price construction, because we just don't think it serves the industry well. And we think a much more collaborative approach is required. Uh, and ultimately, that serves all much better. So just as well, we've got a couple of years before the dollar flows, because we as an industry, I think, have got to ramp up. And, and as SNC-Lavalin, you know, we, we relish that challenge. And, and we're really looking forward to being part of laying down another layer of really great infrastructure for this country. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love the way you put that. Uh, the the business models we've been are, are quite outdated, and yeah. they have not they have not kept up with reality. And it would seem during this period, this pregnant pause while we're waiting for this this money to make it through the snake's belly and, and come out to us, it would we'd be well served to be educating the owners, the building owners, the infrastructure owners, the governance bodies, because at the end of the day, this, this, this industry is beholding to the folks writing the checks. And I think that we believe that they actually know what they're doing most of the time. That's not a diminishing statement. It's that they see an end that they're looking for. They understand that they have to pay for it in their maybe naive models uh, by by splitting everybody up and running bids on everyone and ensuring that they drive to the lowest price, they're being responsible. But perhaps going to an earlier statement, they're solving the wrong problem. And unless, unless we as an industry not confront, but come alongside to say, there is a better way and it's risk mitigated and it's transparent and it's collaborative, not collusion, uh, there's an opportunity for us to all win together. And you know, you probably will turn this thing in at a lower price and uh, and ahead of budget by, by doing it this way. Are you willing to have some discussion about this? And I think that's the kind of education that needs that the industry needs to be putting back to its clients. I like the way you put it at the end there. I mean, I think th- this is co-development and, and this is yeah, we've got a bunch of clients who are very smart and they know their business better than we know their business, no matter how hard we try. So I don't think we see ourselves as the educators, but we do see ourselves as innovators and and catalysts of, of change. And so we, we want to co-develop new ways of doing things with our customers. We want to give them ideas. We want to challenge their thinking where, where, where we think it's not going to get the best outcome for them and their and, and the citizens that they're they're serving, and and that's that's the approach we want to take. We're really. I had a great discussion recently with with Sydney Metro, where they're 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 trying some really innovative contractual models. We have we have some customers in in Canada who are really starting to embrace that that model too. In the US, it's not something in our industry that's prevalent as a contracting model yet. No. 
but ultimately we firmly believe that it will be and i love the complexity because of all the competing demands not only of technology we haven't even begun to talk about things like the resilience of the assets that we need to you know who thought about what the pandemic would bring you know some of the climate change demands on structures are incredible you know some of the cyber threats are you know extraordinary if i listen to our it security department about the number of of attacks that a company like ours has to defend against you know it, it's extraordinary so we and our, our owners have got to look at all of that increasing complexity and, and the idea that you know a two month window to put in a fixed price bid you know <laughs> that will cover all eventualities it's not real risk transfer it's an apparent risk transfer and and actually the risk didn't go where you wanted it to go and you you end up paying through the nose or having a disaster if you're not careful whereas let us let, I, I think there's plenty of opportunity there's some great competition to 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 both have real rigor in terms of uh, competition not collusion but then to develop collaboration mm-hmm. and and not this rigid fixed thinking that that has so often you know got our industry into trouble oh, wonderful cogent crystal clear perspectives and insights. Steve Morris, thank you for joining us on This Is Design Intelligence. It's been an honor to have you with us. It's been a great pleasure, Dave, to talk to you, and I look forward to our next conversations. Thank you for joining us for this edition of This Is Design Intelligence. The producer is Laura Spells. The sound engineer is Jared Knabel. This has been a DI Media Group production.